0: Chapter 8 Of A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Chapter 8. Grace gave them coffee in the drawing room. And Harold, meanwhile, repeated his conversation with Mr. Barthgate in a somewhat condensed form while they were drinking it. "'It certainly doesn't seem a very dutiful sort of thing to say about one's uncle and a man, who really has been as good as a father, could have been to me,' said Grace, when he had finished. "'But it's no use trying to be dishonest with one's self, or,' she went on with a smile at the solicitor, "'with one's lawyer,' "'I think I'm right there, am I not, Mr. Barthgate?' "'My dear Mrs. Enstone," he said, leaning forward on the settee, putting his elbows on his knees and the tips of his fingers together, "'of course you know the old saying, that the man who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. I think there is only one greater fool, and that is the patient of the man who is his own doctor.' "'Exactly,' she said." "'And that is something like I feel with regard to this Will and my uncle. "'I have an instinctive feeling, as I have told Harold, that things are not all right. "'And, to be quite frank, I think just as he does about those instructions.' "'She stopped suddenly, got up from her chair, walked across the room to the fireplace, "'looked at her own beautiful reflection in the glass for a few moments, "'then turned back and said,' "'Mr. Barthgate, have you ever heard... um... wait now... yes, it's coming back to me now. What is it?' "'I remember discussing it with my uncle two or three years ago in Paris, after he had been making some of his experiments with Dr. Charcot at the Salpetriere. "'Yes, that's it. Divided personality. Have you ever heard of that?' "'My dear Mrs. Enstone,' replied the lawyer, with a little uplifting of his eyelids, "'I'm afraid I must plead ignorance. "'I am neither a scientist nor a medical man, "'and such a term as that is known only to them.' "'Just as I was saying,' interrupted Harold, "'and that is where I believe all the difficulty is going to come in. "'That is where the professor will trip us up if he does it anywhere.' "'I'm afraid, Mr. Enstone, you're getting a little beyond my depth. "'You see, we lawyers have to confine ourselves to hard facts.' Nothing else is admitted in evidence, and so, I speak of course professionally, we don't find anything else worth studying. In plain English, I really don't know what you are talking about, and I may as well say so sooner as later. It's just as well that you don't want to, laughed Harold, because although I know what you mean, I certainly would not explain it to you. Indeed, I never had any idea of the subject at all, until I had the felicity of becoming the other half of Miss Grace Romanes. "'Don't talk nonsense, Harold,' she said, with a delightfully unsuccessful attempt to be severe. "'All things considered, I must say, I think this is a rather too serious subject for frivolities of speech.' "'I am duly corrected and conscious of my fault,' he laughed again. "'And now suppose we take Mr. Barthgate's advice "'and proceed from theory to fact?' "'Of course,' he went on, turning to the solicitor, "'you will do me the favour of being present "'when I open Sir Godfrey's writing-table.' "'With pleasure,' he replied, opening the door for Grace. "'A minute search through the drawers of the writing-table "'and those of an old Chippendale bureau "'disclosed nothing more than neatly arranged files of letters, M. S. books,' full of scientific memoranda and accounts relating to the estate. "'Nothing there that we want at present,' said Harold, when the search was over. "'But I have just thought of something else. Excuse me a moment.' He unlocked the door and went out, and in about five minutes he came back with a square sealed envelope in his hand. "'I think this is what we have been looking for,' he said. "'I just remembered, then—' "'that Sir Godfrey used to do a good deal of his work "'in the small hours of the morning in his bedroom. "'There is a little safe there, "'let into the wall and covered with a panel. "'He told me how to open this, and curiously enough, "'when all this happened I forgot about it altogether. "'If I had got back in time, I have no doubt "'he would have told me about it. "'If there are any private instructions, they are here. "'And dear... He went on putting his hand into the pocket of his dinner-jacket, and turning towards his wife. "'I have found something else that may be of use to you.' He took his hand out, and she saw that it was full of lustrous pearls and glittering diamonds. He spread it out on the table, and it took the form of a necklace, composed of five rows of exactly matched strong pearls with a big diamond between each.' Fifty thousand pounds worth, if it's a shilling, murmured Mr. Barthgate, his eyes dilating as he looked upon the wonderful ornament. Sir Godfrey was a great connoisseur in jewels. People say that he had the finest collection in the north of England. Yes, said Harold, taking up the necklace. I know that during our travels he was always buying pearls and diamonds and rubies whenever he could get them, but I did not know that he had got this. "'Come here, Grace, and let us see how it looks in its proper place.' "'Is that?' she exclaimed with a little catch in her voice, and taking a step back from him, "'is that for me? No, Harold, it is altogether too lovely.' "'The very reason why it should be for you,' he said, going to her, and putting the strings of splendid gems over her willingly bowed head. "'There! Too lovely! Nonsense! It's exactly in its right place, isn't it, Mr. Barthgate?' "'It would be impossible for them to be seen to better advantage,' replied the solicitor, "'with something almost akin to an adoration that was divided between the splendour of the gems and the loveliness of their wearer. "'And now let us see what there is in this,' said Harold, breaking the seal of the envelope. "'He took a small book bound in limp parchment out of it, and read on the first page in Sir Godfrey's handwriting.' Notes of my strange experiences from tenth July to he turned to the next page and ran his eye over it and then the next and the next. The others saw his eyelids lift and fall and a shade of gray steal under the bronze of his skin. What is the matter, Harold? said Grace anxiously. Is it anything serious? Yes, he replied slowly. Something that may be very serious, I'm afraid. "'It is apparently a diary that my father kept during the last days of his life. It is—' "'Oh, then, of course,' she interrupted, "'it's something that can only be intended for you. Shall I go if you want to read it?' "'Oh, no,' he replied a little awkwardly, as she thought. "'There's no such hurry as that. I'll have another look at it after you have gone to bed. And now suppose we have some coffee and afterwards you sing us something?' during the rest of the evening grace noticed that her husband was decidedly constrained and preoccupied she guessed that his thoughts were really between the pages of the book in his pocket and so about 10 she said good night and went upstairs we will go and have our whisky and smoke in the library mr barsgate if you don't mind he said to the solicitor i want to have a talk with you about this diary with pleasure replied the other as he followed him out of the drawing-room. When they got into the library Harold locked the door, and began rather abruptly. "'There's the stand and the soda, Mr. Barthgate. Help yourself and sit down. Yes, you may mix me one too, if you don't mind.' When the solicitor was seated Harold put his hands in his pockets and said, beginning to walk up and down the room, "'You remember, of course, Mr. Barthgate, what I said just now, about the will. And that extraordinary illness which my father had before his absolutely inexplicable suicide. And you will remember also, but never mind, that will do afterwards. I have a very strong idea that this diary will throw a good deal of light upon what seemed dark to me in more senses than one. I am going to ask you to go over it with me, and give me your opinion and your advice upon it. With pleasure, replied the solicitor lighting his cigar and leaning back in his armchair now suppose you read slowly and i'll devote myself to the thinking part perhaps that would be the best way replied harold sitting down at the table and taking the diary out of his pocket he opened it and began to read without further comment 10th of july man know thyself wayne if seeming wise advice Impossible even for those who, like myself, have devoted so many years of patient labor to the study of nature and man. Yet I thought I had made some little progress as my reward, and here I am confronted in my own being, in my own self, with an insoluble puzzle. But have I really one self or two? Or is it possible that I am afflicted with some obscure mental disease, that perhaps I am going. "'No. I must not write or even think of that. For that way darkness lies. I think I have a talk with H.' "'No, I won't. There's been something queer about him since that supper. He has not been at all the same. Or is it my mental vision that has changed? At any rate, I dare say he would only laugh at me as he did, I think, today, when I forgot about the will.' That was a very curious thing, for example. Of course, I've wrote the instructions and signed the will only the other day, and yet sometimes I seem to have done it weeks or months or years ago. It's all very odd. When Harold is settled I must have a rest and run abroad. At present I had better take some more of age-tonic and go to bed. I hope I shan't have any more of these queer dreams I have been having lately." I must say I don't like the tone of that at all, said Mr. Barthgate, as Harold ceased reading. How on earth can he have forgotten a will that he had only executed? Let me see. Yes, two days before. You will like what comes after still less, said Harold in a hard tone. The next entry is four days later. Listen. Fourteenth of July. Awake again. Or what is it? Have I been asleep since I wrote that last entry, and is this only a dream in the sleep? No, that won't do. A diary is not such stuff as dreams are made of. Besides, I was awake this morning when H. brought me some more of his filthy physic. Remember, too, I forgot to take it. Fizz instead. Must have done me good. Perhaps woke me up, and that's why I'm writing.' If age can't stop these infernal dreams, for I am certain those are dreams, even if they are within dreams, as some dreamer of a poet dreamt once about his own dreams, damn the dreams, I'll have another doctor, I will try the stuff once more, and if that doesn't do I'll tell Halkine. No, I won't, St. Alderson. Oh, that's terrible, my dear Harold, exclaimed the solicitor, sitting upright, terrible, "'Your father could never have written like that, "'even if he had been intoxicated.' "'Or mad,' interrupted Harold. "'Or, at any rate, going mad. "'Look at the language. "'Look at that almost imbecile repetition of dreams and dreaming. "'And my father, you know, "'was a man who was particularly choice in his language. "'But there is worse to come. "'The next is dated the 18th. Listen.' "'Dreams in heaven, dreams in hell.' Wake on Earth, when Harold comes that said Harold is all of that one, and it is written in a scroll that I can hardly read now. the next, which is dated a week later, just after we came home, is written in his old hand and perfectly clear and sane. Thank heaven that mysterious attack of mine is over at last. God grant I shall never have another. It seems incredible to me that I should have written such nonsense at those last two entries. I have half a mind to burn the thing, but I think I will keep it as a curiosity in mental pathology. It has certainly nonplussed halkine, at least as far as diagnosis goes. He actually had the assurance to accuse me of taking drugs, hashish and that sort of thing. Never took such a thing in my life, except opium for cholera still whatever it was i must confess that he has pulled me round very quickly and precious glad i am what a nurse would have happened if harold and grace had come back and found me in the condition i must have been in when i wrote that rubbish well whatever it was i hope there's an end of it now but i shall have to be careful i think as halkine says i have been overdoing it for a good long time now And as soon as Harold and Grace are one flesh, as the prayer-book says, I will be off to the Selkirks and the Rockies for a couple of months or so, and try Mother Nature's own cure. I can easily be back for Christmas.' "'Ah, that's better,' said Mr. Barsgate, taking a sip at his whisky and soda. "'I should say that, mentally speaking, Sir Godfrey was perfectly well when he wrote that. What a thousand pities it was that he didn't go.' "'Yes,' replied Harold, between his clenched teeth. "'Then he went on. "'Now the next entry is on the evening of our wedding-day. "'Well, they are married enough. "'God bless them, and give them everything they deserve and desire. "'And now for the far west.' "'He paused for a few moments, looking closely at the page, "'with straining eyes, out of which he tried hard "'to keep the almost irrepressible tears.' Then he looked up and said in a low, half-choked voice, "'There are three others dated at about a week's interval, very like the first ones, each one more terribly sad than the others. I won't read them. You can look at them yourself afterwards. They all seem to point to some dread necessity, some terrible deed he seems to feel himself forced to do, in spite of himself. This is the last one, as far as I can make it out.' Awake again. How long sleep last time? How long next? I think all dreams now. Edge of pit last night at last. Flames at feet, but didn't burn. White and rise like sea snakes. Shapes in front. Seem to know them sometimes. Know nothing now. Dead think or soon. Age stuff wrong. Can't help not make dreams. All dreams night day. Light dark. All dark now. Die I. Harold's voice broke completely at the last word. He dropped the book on the table and drank off his whiskey and soda in choking gulps. Then he got up and strode up and down the room in silence for two or three minutes, while Mr. Barthgate took up the diary and looked over the few fateful pages. "'Well, what do you think of that?' said Harold, almost savagely, as he stopped abruptly in front of the fireplace and faced him. Really, my dear Enstone," he began hesitatingly, it is so sad, so terrible, so utterly mysterious, that until I have had a little time to think over it, I really hardly know what to say. There's nothing mysterious about it to me, said Harold between his teeth. It's as plain as the sun in the heavens. Can't you see, Mr. Barthgate, that those few sentences contain the story of a cruel, As vile a murder as the wit of man ever devised. Chapter eight.